In his analysis of Galatians 6.11, John Barry offers a deeper insight into the nuances of the text and its authorship. The verse in question states, See what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. This remark by Paul is not merely a trivial comment about his handwriting, but carries significant implications regarding the authorship and authenticity of the letter. Barry interprets this verse as a pivotal moment in the letter to the Galatians. The reference to large letters suggests a change in the scribe or the manner of writing. In ancient times, it was common for influential figures like Paul to dictate their letters to a scribe. However, in this instance, Paul seems to indicate that he has taken up the pen himself. This shift could be seen as a way for Paul to emphasize the importance of what follows. By personally writing in large, perhaps awkward letters, Paul draws attention to the gravity and earnestness of his message. This detail is crucial in understanding the context and content of the letter. Galatians deals with significant themes such as faith, law, Christian freedom, and the nature of the gospel. In summarizing these themes, Paul's personal touch in writing the letter accentuates his passion and urgency in communicating his message. It reflects his deep personal investment in the issues at hand, particularly the controversy over Gentile Christians adhering to Jewish law. Also, Barry's observation sheds light on the personal nature of Paul's letters. It illustrates how Paul not only addressed theological and doctrinal issues, but also engaged personally with his audience. This personalization adds a layer of authenticity and credibility to the letter, as it directly connects Paul's voice and hand to the message, making it not just a doctrinal statement, but also a personal appeal to the readers. In essence, Barry's interpretation of Galatians 6.11 opens up a broader understanding of Paul's method of communication and the significance of this personal touch in the context of his epistolary practices. Moreover, Paul addresses a significant issue in the early Christian community the insistence by certain individuals on the necessity of circumcision for Christians. Barry offers an insightful interpretation of Paul's criticism of these individuals, whom he refers to as agitators. According to Barry, these agitators are primarily motivated by a desire to maintain a respectable appearance within their social context. They are not driven by a genuine commitment to the spiritual essence of Christianity, but rather by a concern for their reputation as lawkeepers. This perspective reveals a deeper social and religious dynamic at play within the early Christian community, where adherence to Jewish law and customs was a contentious issue. Barry posits that the promotion of circumcision by these individuals is not merely a theological stance, but also a strategic move. By advocating for this traditional Jewish practice, they could publicly identify as Jews. This identification had a practical purpose. In the Greco-Roman society of the time, Jews were generally more accepted than Christians. Christianity was still a nascent and often misunderstood faith, facing suspicion and hostility from the broader society. Thus, by aligning themselves with Judaism through the practice of circumcision, these agitators could potentially evade the persecution directed at Christians. This approach reflects a prioritization of social acceptance and personal safety over the radical teachings of Christianity which often challenged social norms and demanded a profound spiritual transformation. Paul's criticism of this attitude in Galatians 6.12 affirms a recurring theme in his letters, the tension between external religious observance and the internal transformation of the heart. For Paul, the essence of Christianity lies in a transformative faith in Christ, not in the rigid adherence to religious customs and laws. 
Barry's interpretation of this passage illuminates the complex interplay between social identity, religious practice, and the core principles of early Christian faith. Furthermore, Paul addresses a significant issue within the early Christian community, as interpreted by John Barry. This verse is part of a broader argument in which Paul critiques certain members of the community who insist on the practice of circumcision for Gentile converts. Barry's analysis sheds light on the hypocrisy that Paul identifies in these advocates of circumcision. Paul's criticism, as Barry notes, is not merely about the physical act of circumcision, but about the deeper implications of law observance and genuine faith. Those who were advocating for the circumcision of Gentiles were themselves circumcised, which in the Jewish tradition was a sign of the covenant with God and adherence to the Mosaic law. However, Paul asserts the irony in their behavior. Despite being circumcised, these individuals do not fully observe the law themselves. This contradiction highlights a superficial approach to religious practice, where outward symbols are given more importance than true adherence to the teachings and spirit of the law. Barry's interpretation of this passage indicates Paul's broader theological message in Galatians. Paul contends that faith in Christ supersedes the ceremonial practices of the law, including circumcision. He sees faith as the true marker of belonging to the community of believers, not adherence to certain physical rituals. This argument was crucial in the early Christian context, where the integration of Gentile converts was a contentious issue. By maintaining the hypocrisy of the circumcised who do not fully follow the law, Paul, as explained by Barry, is challenging the early Christian community to reconsider what it means to be faithful. He urges them to look beyond external practices and to focus on the transformation of the heart that comes with faith in Christ. This theological stance was instrumental in shaping the Christian understanding of law, grace, and faith, and in defining the identity of the Christian community beyond Jewish cultural and ceremonial laws. In addition, Barry focuses on the profound statement made by the Apostle Paul, The world has been crucified to me. This phrase encapsulates a radical shift in values and perspective, marking a pivotal moment in Paul's spiritual journey. Barry points out that this statement is not a mere figure of speech, but a declaration of a deep, transformative experience. Paul's use of the term crucified is particularly significant. It is a powerful metaphor that resonates with the central Christian imagery of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. In this context, Paul implies that just as Christ was physically crucified, he, Paul, has experienced a form of spiritual crucifixion in relation to the world. This crucifixion is not of the flesh, but of his attachment to worldly values and pursuits. The values that Paul refers to as being dead to him include selfishness, ambition, and pride. These are typically regarded as drivers of worldly success and are often celebrated in secular contexts. However, Paul sees them as antithetical to the Christian life. Selfishness, in his view, is replaced by selflessness a hallmark of Christian love and charity. Ambition, often associated with personal gain and status, is contrasted with humility and servitude in the Christian context. Pride, which can lead to arrogance, is in stark contrast to the Christian virtue of humility. Barry's analysis brings out the essence of Paul's message in Galatians 6.14, a complete renunciation of the self-centered values of the world. This renunciation is not just a philosophical or moral stance but a lived experience, akin to a spiritual death and rebirth. It signifies a transition from a life driven by self-centered motives to one that is centered on spiritual values and the teachings of Christ. 
Thus, in Barry's view, Paul's statement in Galatians 6.14 is more than just a personal testament. It is a paradigm for Christian living. It calls for a deep introspection and a willingness to let go of worldly values that are in conflict with spiritual growth and Christian principles. This interpretation reiterates the radical nature of Christian discipleship, as envisioned by Paul, a path marked by a profound transformation of one's values and priorities. Further, Barry delves into the Apostle Paul's radical reassessment of Jewish law and customs, particularly circumcision. Paul, once a fervent adherent and defender of Jewish law, underwent a profound transformation following his conversion to Christianity. This change is vividly reflected in his letters, where he frequently addresses the role and significance of Jewish customs in the new Christian faith. In Galatians 6.15, Paul's stance on circumcision represents a dramatic departure from traditional Jewish thought. Circumcision was not only a fundamental religious ritual, but also a deeply ingrained cultural symbol in Jewish society. It signified a person's covenant with God and was a mark of Jewish identity and legal adherence. For Paul, a Pharisee trained rigorously in the Jewish law, to downplay the importance of circumcision was nothing short of revolutionary. Barry repeats that Paul relegates circumcision to a secondary status, underlining that it does not define a believer's standing before God, nor does it have the power to transform the believer spiritually. This perspective was a significant shift from the prevailing Jewish thought where such rituals were seen as central to religious life and identity. The crux of Paul's argument, as Barry notes, is the concept of the new creation. Paul underscores that what truly matters is the transformative work of God, manifested through Christ's death and resurrection. This transformation is not external, like the physical act of circumcision, but internal, brought about by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. For Paul, faith in Christ and the resultant spiritual rebirth supersede the traditional Jewish focus on ritualistic adherence. Barry's analysis emphasizes a pivotal moment in Christian theology. Paul's reinterpretation of circumcision symbolizes the shift from a religion rooted in specific cultural and ritualistic practices to one centered on spiritual transformation and a personal relationship with God through Christ. This theological shift was instrumental in shaping early Christian identity and practice, distinguishing it from its Jewish roots and setting the foundation for Christian doctrine. Besides, the term Israel of God is a complex and significant phrase that has been the subject of various interpretations, as explored by John Barry. This phrase appears in the context of Paul's discussion about what truly matters in being part of God's people. One primary interpretation of Israel of God suggests that it refers to all believers in Jesus Christ, encompassing both Jews and Gentiles. This viewpoint is grounded in the idea that the true Israel, in the New Testament context, is not defined by ethnic lineage or adherence to the law of Moses, but by faith in Christ. Galatians 6.15 accentuates this by stating that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but being a new creation is what counts. Here, Paul is affirming a spiritual rebirth that transcends ethnic boundaries, uniting all believers under a common identity in Christ. This interpretation views the Israel of God as a spiritual community formed not by birthright or religious right, but by a shared faith in Jesus. The alternative interpretation posits that Israel of God refers specifically to Jewish Christians. This view acknowledges the continuity of Israel's identity, with the term Israel maintaining its ethnic and cultural significance. However, within this framework, the phrase Israel of God distinguishes those Jews who have recognized Jesus as the Messiah from those who have not. 
it acknowledges their unique position as both part of the historical nation of Israel and as believers in Jesus Christ. This interpretation asserts the dual identity of Jewish Christians as both members of the traditional Israel and as part of the new spiritual community in Christ. Both interpretations highlight a shift in the understanding of what constitutes the people of God. They move from a definition based on ethnic and cultural terms to one centered on faith in Jesus Christ. This shift is pivotal in the theology of the New Testament, illustrating the inclusive nature of the gospel and the formation of a new community of believers, united not by lineage or law, but by their faith in Christ. Additionally, Barry provides a profound insight into the Apostle Paul's reference to the marks of Jesus. This verse is a crucial component of Paul's epistolary narrative, where he speaks metaphorically of the scars and wounds he bears as a testament to his faith and missionary zeal. These marks, as Barry explains, are symbolic of the persecution and suffering Paul endured in his journey to spread the Christian gospel, as evidenced in specific episodes detailed in the Acts of the Apostles, notably in Acts 14.19 and 21.30.32. Barry's analysis indicates the depth of Paul's identification with the sufferings of Christ. In Paul's view, his sufferings were not merely physical afflictions, but were imbued with spiritual significance. He perceived them as a participation in the crucifixion of Jesus, a concept that Paul elaborates on in other parts of his letters, notably in Galatians 2, 19, 20, and 6, 14. This perspective shows a theological depth in Paul's understanding of suffering. It's not just a consequence of his missionary work, but a form of profound spiritual communion with Christ. For Paul, these marks were a vivid demonstration of his dedication to his mission and his unwavering faith in the message of Christ. They were not only proof of his authenticity as an apostle, but also a tangible connection to the suffering of Jesus on the cross. Barry maintains how for Paul, suffering was a crucial aspect of his Christian experience, integral to his spiritual identity and ministry. This interpretation points out the transformative power of suffering in Paul's theology. Rather than viewing his hardships as mere trials, Paul saw them as opportunities to deepen his connection with Christ and to bear witness to the transformative power of the gospel. Barry's insight into this verse opens up a broader understanding of Pauline theology, where suffering and persecution are not merely to be endured but are integral to the Christian experience, embodying a profound spiritual truth and a deep connection to the crucified Christ. Last but not least, Barry reiterates on understanding the theological and pastoral significance of Paul's closing remarks, especially his frequent mention of grace. This particular verse, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, amen, is a common conclusion in Paul's letters, serving as more than a mere formality. It encapsulates the essence of his theological teachings and pastoral concerns. Barry repeats that grace is not just a recurrent theme in Paul's writings, but the bedrock of his doctrine. This grace represents God's unmerited favor towards humanity, a central tenet of Christian faith. In the context of Galatians, where Paul navigates complex issues like the tension between law and faith, the freedom found in Christ, and the imperative to live by the Spirit, the invocation of grace ties together these themes. It's Paul's reassurance to the Galatians that despite the challenges of legalism or moral laxity, the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ remains their guiding force. Moreover, Barry dives into how this grace-centric conclusion reflects Paul's pastoral heart. His persistent choice to end his letters with a note on grace isn't just a traditional sign-off. 
It's a deliberate, strategic move to reinforce the central message of his ministry. By consistently reminding his readers of grace, Paul anchors them in the foundational Christian principle of divine favor that's independent of human works. Furthermore, Barry debates that this focus on grace serves as a continual reminder to the Christian community of their identity and unity in Christ. For Paul, the grace of Jesus Christ is what binds the believers together, steering them towards a life of faith and godliness. The Apostle's emphasis on grace, especially in his closing words, thus becomes a powerful tool for reiterating the core values of the Christian faith, ensuring that his readers are left contemplating the profound, transformative nature of God's grace. In conclusion, Barry offers a deep insight into the nuances of Paul's writing and its implications for understanding the letter's authenticity and authorship. In this verse, Paul notes, See what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand, which Barry interprets as a significant departure from the norm of using a scribe. This self-writing suggests a heightened emphasis on the message that follows, indicating Paul's deep personal investment in the issues discussed. In addition, Barry's analysis extends to the broader themes of Galatians, including faith, law, Christian freedom, and the nature of the gospel. The personal touch in Paul's writing underlines his passion and urgency, particularly in addressing the controversy over Gentile Christians adhering to Jewish law. This personalization adds a layer of authenticity and credibility to the letter, as it directly connects Paul's voice and hand to the message. Further, Barry explores Paul's criticism of the agitators advocating for circumcision among Christians. He suggests that their motivation is driven more by social acceptance than genuine spiritual commitment, reflecting a broader tension in the early Christian community between external religious observance and the internal transformation of the heart. This perspective sheds light on the complex interplay between social identity, religious practice, and the core principles of early Christian faith. Besides, Barry discusses the hypocrisy Paul identifies in the advocates of circumcision, underscoring the superficiality of their religious practice compared to true adherence to the teachings and spirit of the law. Paul disputes that faith in Christ supersedes ceremonial practices, marking a shift in the early Christian understanding of law, grace, and faith. In essence, Barry provides a comprehensive understanding of Paul's communication methods, the importance of his personal touch in writing, and the early Christian community's dynamics. Additionally, it emphasizes the transformative nature of Christian discipleship as envisioned by Paul, focusing on internal spiritual transformation over external religious observance.